0: Welcome to the One Spatial Podcast.
1: For this episode, we're talking about technology trends.
0: Technology trends, a very open-ended statement there, Seb. So really, we're going to see what's happening now in the industry, maybe think about things as we see them short or longer term in the future. So this little podcast is not meant to be comprehensive, just some of the changes that we, and also through our partners and customers that we've heard about, we see people implementing So, Seb, how would you summarise these areas?
1: Well, we've grouped it into three main topics. So the one is sensors and mobile devices. One is machine learning and automation. And then the other one is cloud services and data economy, probably the biggest one of the three.
0: Okay, that's fair enough then. So let's start with number one in the list, sensors and mobile devices. I guess you see in that around how we capture information and data, both people and sensors as well.
1: Yeah, and it sort of flows in two directions, this one. So first of all, in cars and in phones um, and in in consumer devices, and there are two impacts. One is they generate data to be used, so streams of location data for use in transport companies, for, for tracking where your Uber is or where your parcel is, or for things like contact tracing. They also need data to build the services on, so they generate data and they need data. The other area is traditional surveying, so instead of someone going out there with a with a tape measure, it's more and more sensor based also based using things like drones or lidar devices generating point clouds um or even things like using imagery classification and applying machine learning to that that's another area and then the third one is is live sensors so Supporting the digital twin approach and connecting things up to an Internet of Things. That's another source of mobile data.
0: OK, so there's also a growing number of tools available as well, especially when people start talking about structured and unstructured data. So you know, converting things between the two. Is this a problem we think's already been solved? There are these
1: tools out there, lots of tools out there to to handle the data. What we see, though, is the result is quite messy. So even turning unstructured data into structured data, so images into vectors or a stream of sensor readings into some data set, you still need to take that data and integrate it into your existing data holdings. So you need to clean it up and then handle that complexity and the ambiguity of how to match it up to make it usable. So it's a powerful source of data, but it is messy. And to take real advantage of it, you do need good software and processes to handle it.
0: That makes sense. And that leads on to the next topic area that you talked about before and something we're looking at more and more. Um, That's around machine learning and automation. There is a lot to talk about here. And there's more and more tools and cloud services coming online where people are talking about this. It's almost sort of commodity stage now. Um, It is everywhere that we can get at and use it to analyse structured and unstructured data. What else have you seen in that space?
1: Yeah, I mean, loads of interesting projects here are happening. But what you see is that it's the data that's used to feed the machine learning models and what's how good is the quality and what's the content that really makes the difference. Over the last 50 years, we've had at least two AI winters where it didn't live up to the hype. People lost interest. Nowadays, we've got the processing power and the data to get some real results but at the moment there are so many projects happening and some of them are experimental there'll be a natural drop-off where things work and things don't work but it looks like there are enough successful projects from the the hype cycle the trough of disillusionment that might be fairly shallow and there'll still be successful ones coming out at the end.
0: I think that's fair and we've seen that with some of the projects that we've been winning especially the innovation hubs and things that people have been exploring these ideas and they do look like they starting to stick so we've generally been able to validate that these things are working but do you think people, all, you know, we've always talked about the risk of the robots taking over the world. Do you think that's really going to happen?
1: Yeah, it's one of the, the things that always gets raised when you talk about machine learning is what's it going to mean? What's going to happen from it? Essentially, it's just another form of automation. If you look at, say, the, the cartographic world going from engraving on stones to, to, to copper plates, through to digital printing and through digital data distribution and evolution has always happened. But what we've seen is In our industry, it doesn't mean there are job losses because of it. But what we do see is people evolving their skills to keep up with it. So national mapping agencies probably have as many employees or possibly more than 100 years ago. They're just doing different things. And what we see is when when something gets automated, it doesn't mean they say, brilliant, we can do it with fewer people. They just do it more often or more frequently or with more types of data. They don't shrink their budgets. They just use it in a
0: different way. I think that's what we've been seeing. So really, some of the risk that we've been pointing out to people, it's more around the mistakes that may be made due to the accidental data bias that exists.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, the biggest risk is is that it's not someone using it maliciously, it's accidentally detecting the wrong thing. And there's a, there's a classic story that was got taught in university about using training a machine learning system to recognise tanks in a photo. And it seemed to work until they realised all the photos of tanks have to be taken on a cloudy day and all they built something which could detect a cloudy photo. So it's really easy to think you've got something working when in fact there's a bias inbuilt into it.
0: So it definitely provides automation with some new techniques and things to look at. So all the organizations and customers we work with, I think can be more responsive in the real world. So the sense data that we were mentioning, I mean, I've seen some of the examples with our own customers looking at change detection. So imagery, you mentioned that we talked about things in the national mapping agencies, rural payments agencies, that's becoming an interest. And yep. in the utility space, looking at leakage bursts. So using a lot of all that historical data about what has happened to do the training, that's definitely producing some really good results. And operational monitoring, so looking at not just risks and bursts, but flow rates, usage of of assets and commodities is all definitely providing a positive impact at the moment. Yeah. So the third area, Seb, that you mentioned was around a good one, cloud services and the infamous data economy. So people are now expecting to deliver a lot of this, either as platform as a service or software as a service. And I've even heard people describing things as data as a service now. What do you see is important in all of those?
1: Yeah, those. I mean, to make that viable, you, you can need the data and the services to be on the cloud and accessible via APIs so you can connect them up in a service-oriented arch- architecture where the data to be read in by a service and the service that does something with the data can be chained together to form something. And we're we're seeing more and more of these services and capabilities being set up. So Amazon Location launched last year, We've seen Ordnance Survey, Great Britain's Data Hub set up, so a different way to access the data people have accessed traditionally. And, you know, one spatial software and projects more and more are being delivered as cloud services.
0: But we still need to see this approach used more widely. And I know looking at service-oriented architectures and making use of APIs has always been important when we've been building enterprise systems. But as you said, we still see some services where, you get through the process, and at the end you get to download a CSV file, which is okay for hackathons and some prototyping, but it's not as good as a, a professional live service.
1: Yeah, that's right. If you can get that data on demand, it's just much easier to build a service. Also, what it allows is pay-per-use services. So if the data is pay-per-use, it allows you to build service or solution that's pay-per-use. Okay. Plus, it makes it much cheaper to experiment and build up services. Therefore, it's a smaller risk for people building them.
0: And we've seen that, Seb, in some of the work we've been doing. You don't have to wait to get the data to put it in the same place. You just access it. It really is faster. And the technology will always evolve. And it's definitely the growth of mobile sensors, themes we talked around with machine learning and cloud services, which are just general great industry tech trends at the moment. And they're really helping us in the GIS space at making what we do have an even bigger impact than ever before. But again, we still come back to you know, really being able to trust the data that's been consumed by these new technologies and initiatives that's vital to making sure what we do what we build really is valued and really is successful
1: yeah that's right and in future podcasts we'll focus in on some of these aspects we've discussed but for now thanks for listening